Right now, I am joined by Ruben Nielsen from Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Morena to you. Uh, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're probably not used to Morena these days. Um, welcome home. Yeah, no, it's just it's really funny. It's the first time someone said that to me in a while. Yeah. Um, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Now, many overseas, like Kiwi uh, overseas-based artists, they'll come back home um, sometimes, and when they do, they'll gen- generally play Auckland, uh, they may play Wellington or Christchurch, but you're coming down to see us in Dunedin as well, uh, four main centres. Is that important for you when you come home? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would ideally like to do more, um, but it's just always, a, you know, it's like time and um, and also my um, uh, bookings down here are, um, are run by the, um, my booking agent in the States. Um, so, uh, it's, you know, some, sometimes it's like I don't want to spend the whole time. Like, I would, I would love to just go over to Barrytown or something, you know, yeah, and, yeah. You know, that stuff that we used to kind of be able to do when we were in the Midchicks and stuff. But it's just, just like it always comes down to t- uh, time and how much um, money I'm willing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wandering around doing doing that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so as many as many times we could do in New Zealand would be would be ideal, really. But I just kind of um, it always ends up. Um, being shorter than I, than I want, but being able to do get into the point where the band can like um, sell enough tickets to to get to all four you know major centres, you know that's you know can't can't complain about it. Hmm. And we can't complain either, so which is good. I don't want to complain. <laughs> if, if you weren't here, I'd, if you weren't coming, I'd probably complain. But you're coming, so it's fine. <laughs> We want to talk a little bit about sex and food because I haven't talked to you about it. Um, you know, when you were writing Sex and Food, I mean, if you look at Multi Love, that was an album that kind of had like a theme, kind of like had a base. What was the platform for this record? Was there a platform? Um, I suppose it's sort of, I've talked about this before. It's sort of like, um, I think at first, you know, I did a whole tour cycle around Multi Love where uh, I mean a whole press cycle where I kind of traveled to different countries just doing interviews and I didn't mention um, my relationship or my love life or anything like that I, I was just talking about the music and talking about different ideas um, around the, the album without um, talking about what I guess uh, turned into what people consider the album to be almost like a concept album about like the, the relationship that I was in, but like, um, but I think the reality is that um, I only talked about that um, in one interview, yeah. and it was it was the pitchfork one where the um, uh, journalist like came to my house and like hung out with me for a whole almost a week. Mm-hmm. So um, the process of of um, of him dragging all that information out of me it was like it was a, a week-long thing which was sort of like <laughs> um it was like a process you know yeah, yeah and yeah. so it sort of to, to me it was um that, that album was about all these uh, very kind of abstract things and, and it wasn't really just about that it became about that because that article ended up being i guess maybe sensational sensationalist enough that people um focused on it yeah so in that sense i because I, I decided that I wasn't going to fall for that again. Um, I think the the themes of um, the record stay abstract, 
people are like, oh, it looks, seems to be about a bunch of different things. Yeah. But it's the same thing, really. It's like, it's about my life and what happened in my life. But I'm just, I, I sort of put a boundary in because I realized, like, um, the the internet's sort of um, too cheap to talk about certain things and then everything gets turned into some sort of, like, weird clickbait thing. And I don't want, um, you know, I just think that my, my, my life is better when it, when it's it's more um you know just there's certain boundaries i just thought yeah. i kind of thought that i owed owed people everything because i um because i'm so lucky to make music for a living i thought like i, I have to talk tell everybody about everything and whatever they want i should give it to them but yeah. um but i realized on this album that i don't that, it, that there's a there are boundaries i don't have to talk about specific things happening in my life so yeah in that sense, I think it, it is. It was made in the same way. It, it is about the things that have happened to me, and it's all in there. In the same way that that it is with multi love, it's just that I didn't do. I didn't talk to Pitchfork at all, and um, I didn't. You know, they didn't drag any kind of um, scandalous details of my life into in, onto the internet. So yeah, well, I mean, so I'm kind of. I don't know if I'm answering the question, oh, but that's, that's, that's basically how it's gone. I mean, I mean, just let you know. Monkey Love just speaks for itself. You don't have to expand on that shit, you know. Like, let the music do the talking. Well, I, I think Monkey Love is being very abstract. I think it's very abstract in the same way that the new album is. You know, it's about a lot of different things. I just mm. think that um, the name of the name of the album, which which was already I'd already set in stone before any of that stuff happened, it's just that the name of the album matched matched um, and salaciously with what went with you know it's, it's just all fucking shit that i'm learning yeah as yeah. i go into it that yeah. um it's my job it's my job to protect my my life and my details and stuff like that so, yeah yeah, without doubt. yeah speaking of your life you were kind of like late to guitar like your dad got your guitar where you're at school when you're 19 and that's got a, a whole story to it but um you were kind of late and 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 i guess you were i don't know if you were obsessed with art at the time and you went to art school to do that stuff because you loved it and then you know did you get kind of like bored of the art school and then like sink your obsession into something else and that was that the guitar um, I suppose I just I always thought I was going to be some kind of artist like I, um, I was really interested in comics and really interested in modern painting and um, not just modern painting I suppose I was just interested in painters and stuff like that so I just I thought I was going to do something kind of visual arts thing and I, so I sort of spent my whole life um, getting ready for that and then um, I had the opportunity to go to Elam which is sort of like my lifelong dream yeah. really yeah and so I went there, but then, um, so music sort of um, sidetracked me because music was actually always more Cody's thing. It was like I was like the the guy who was always drawing and painting, and 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 interested. I was a music fan and listened to music all the time and obsessed with reading about musicians and all that stuff. But I never actually played anything. And Cody was um, more, uh, you know, he started playing drums when he was really young, like eleven or something. And um, <clears throat> he was playing piano and and stuff like that. And he always excelled at music um, way quicker than I did as well. So I, I kind of left him to it for a long time. And then, um, so I sort of, it was sort of almost like um, an accident because Cody started writing songs. And then I'd been playing the guitar and as a hobby. And he asked me if I'd want to try and put together a band. And uh, 
and I was um, a friend of mine got got me uh, in high school got me really into punk music so I was kind of like I look at why I'd be into doing a band if it was a punk band because then I could you know be able to play the guitar parts and stuff like yeah, that because yeah. I wasn't I wasn't very proficient or anything and um, I was always into um, stuff like Jimi Hendrix and Frank Zapp and stuff but I um, I never dreamed that I would be able to like execute any music like that so I, I kind of thought like three chords sounds fun like you know as a thing to do while I'm trying to get my art career going you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah so it kind of happened uh, sort of by accident like getting involved with Cody and trying to help him get his um, get his music thing going um, I got kind of drawn in and before I knew it it was sort of I was cutting the visual arts um, out of my life but it took it was a process like I was still um, in art school when I started playing with Cody and the Mitchicks and I was um, uh, working for for an artist as an artist assistant mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years um, for a couple of years during Dimensions as well, so it took. It was a process of me finally, you know, coming to grips with the fact that this music thing was um, sort of taking over, and the art thing was like uh, just not not interesting me as much, and not not kind of um, fulfilling the creative need that you know that music was. Like music was kind of doing everything um, that I hoped I'd be getting out of art, so I just kind of um, got sidetracked. You know, yeah. and and now I'm and and now I'm the, I'm a musician. When I you know arrive in a country and I'm filling out my card, I put musician. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, sometimes if I feel if I'm feeling really down, I put rock star. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at you just see some of the progression, even from like licking letters to 2010. You know, the, the transition between those two songs, which is only one album. Um, is quite big, and then to get from 2010 to what you're doing now is, is massive leaps. So you must have really like sunk yourself into it, especially when you're learning from that age. Yeah, it was. I, I'm grateful that I didn't um, learn. I, that I kind of did all my learning on the job, kind of thing. Like I'm, you know, I'm just pouring some water. Um, I'm glad that I, you know, I started a band before I really felt like I. Like, I don't really think I was a guitarist, and then we were already playing gigs. So um, I sort of uh, got better at the guitar by playing lots and lots of shows rather than kind of, um, uh, you know, sitting down and thinking, oh, I'm going to get good at guitar, and once I'm good, I'm going to a band. I'm kind of grateful that I sort of, um, that it happened that way. Yeah, yeah. A lot of great bands have just done that. It's like, oh, we need a drummer. And then, oh, how about we get Tim to play drums? And next thing you know, Tim, 20 years later, down the tracks, one of the greatest drummers of all time. Well, I think it's just a good way. Um, I think, you know, technique is, um, technique can get really in the way of a lot of things. If you sort of, uh, you know, there are a lot of, uh, happens a lot in, the jazz world where people get all of this technique but they haven't got much to say I think if you just get kind of start um, playing in groups and playing in front of people you sort of get it becomes really obvious what the point of of music is you know you're mm-hmm. trying to make these people happy or give them something 
anything from like a distraction to something that um, fulfills their life. So then if you learn any new technique or you get sort of more proficient at something, it's just because you had something that you really wanted to um, play to those people and you, you got to get good enough to be able to communicate it. It's not like you're trying to get good to impress anybody or anything because that's sort of a waste of time, I think. Yeah. And to, <coughs> to bastardize James Murphy, um, with this record and, and previous records, it's like you, you sold your guitar and bought a synth and then you sold your synth and bought a guitar. Like, you know, the, the, guitar, <laughs> the guitar is a lot more prominent in Food and Sex um, than the multi-love. What, what brought back the guitar for you? Um, well, I suppose the thing with multi-love is, uh, you know, I still wrote um, a lot of the songs on guitar and it was just sort of in the process of production that I got really, um, I started collecting old synths and fixing them up and stuff as a hobby and then I had all, had them all lying around and then started to realise actually I like the sound of them and then was just finding that I would you know play something on guitar and then put a synth over the top of it and think oh it'll turn the synth up you know because it just was more novel to me and um, I suppose the thing with with that was like I was I probably am more um you know, I got a, a more, more. I'm better at fixing the synth than I am at playing piano. You know, so at the end of the day, it's like, um, why? You know, it just felt like I could. Um, uh, I was more um, fluid on the guitar. Mm-hmm. There's more interesting stuff that I could do with that. So I just felt like if I go, I need to go back to it. But it was good because I took a little bit of a break. Um, from it and then kind of came back fresh and was really excited about it again but I think the people that are sort of like the main audience or the main fans or whatever you want to call them um, for for UMO they, uh, yeah they really want it they would much prefer me to hear me play guitar than to hear what to hear me play piano since you know I'm just, be, I'm just better at it so it's kind of like it's just a good idea to not um be self-indulgent and try to be like, oh, what can I do with this synth? So it's kind of like, I'm not as good, I'm just not as good at it, so. Hey, um, you know, talking about the whole visual art thing, you know, and how that was a, a huge part of your life, and it's probably influenced, like, a lot of your music, but the the video series, like, Gary Shutt's video series for, um, from Food and Sex, um, that must be kind of like seeing that, uh, and coming from the background you've had, there must be some kind of dream come true. Like this, it's, they're fucking brilliant because they're brilliant. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. I mean, uh, it's really yeah. There's something really special that um, Greg Sharp did with um, with those videos. We, uh, um, Elia, who works at um, Securely Canadian, uh, suggested his work to me. I, I thought he was Australian because he lived in Australia. And I was looking at the work, I was like, oh, this is really great. Um, and then he said, uh, he told my manager he really wanted to talk to me about the album and get uh, an idea of, you know, just get a sort of a, an idea of who I am and a little bit of an idea of how I look at the world and then a little bit of an idea about what the album's about and the songs and then and then come up with a concept rather than sort of just superimpose whatever he was thinking over the top of it. And then, and then he called me up and then his... He was actually, uh, his accent, he was a Kiwi. So I was yeah. like, oh, you're Ki- I didn't know you were Kiwi. <laughs> so then um, 
so there was some kind of thing there where um, I think he really got he, there's there's something really deep that he got about it. Yeah. Um, I've never seen anything even close to um, working with um, video maker. Like I've I've done a lot of videos I really like, but I always felt like it was more of a collaboration. With like felt a little bit like Greg somehow like climbed inside my head a little bit like more, <laughs> and then did and then was doing something that really really got me like a. Um, yeah, he just it, it really um, really affected me. Like watching all of the videos, each one of them had something in it that I thought was some kind of poetry. That I sort of ended up attributing that to being that he grew up in New Zealand as well, and there's something there's something he understands about me that I think a lot of other people um, don't understand. Like the fact that uh, maybe it's like the sense of humor, like um, that my sense of humor and my sense of fun. And my pessimism and cynicism are all really one thing. They're not sort of competing with each other or anything. They're the same thing. I think he has the same thing where the funniest things that he, he will do on screen will be the darkest things. Yeah. And then there's also this, um, yeah, so, so um, uh, I just felt like uh, it was just, Perfect, I guess. I'm, I'm also really impressed with how much he did with so little because he, he had such a limited uh, amount of time that his um, solution to getting so much work done in such a small amount of time was to take this minimalist approach, but he um, managed to say uh, more with with that, you know? So, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, I think they really do, um, I don't know, take, take the tracks somewhere else, like they expand on them a little bit. Which is it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He sort of yeah, he sort of extrapolates things that I that um you know, see so he, he he takes things that are in the songs and then he sort of takes them in, in his direction out further and but with it in a way that it feels I feel like, yeah, that you really get this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's cool. No, that's amazing. Like I mean the, the, just to have someone get you is sometimes a wonderful thing because, you know. I don't know. Sometimes you can have a lot of self doubt, and that, that kind of stuff really can help wash that shit away. So um, I don't know if that's what you've got. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just... weird because well, I'm always the, I'm always the foreigner, you know. I'm, everywhere I go, and um, New Zealand, there aren't you know a lot of New Zealanders, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, sort of, it's funny, a funny thing. The world you you know, uh, you know, you kind of end up doing what you're doing, and then everybody sort of makes their. Um, uh, interpretation of it, um, but yeah, just actually getting it is a yes, yeah, another another step, I guess. That's awesome. That's awesome. Right, um, well, we, we, we're running out of time for you. Uh, to, just a couple of things before I go. Another Silver Scroll nom- nomination um, for Honeybee. Um, that's great. You'll be uh, you might be the first person to win two, perhaps. Nobody's ever won two before. I don't. I didn't th- know that. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I probably didn't do enough research on that part, but I don't think they have. Maybe they have. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't. I don't, I don't actually know. Um, I, well, uh, the Silver Scrolls. Um, I, that's always been a. That's always been a, a big one. I, I think winning it for me. Um, I'm glad that if I win, if I have been nominated a bunch of times and I never won it, then it would be kind of like, it would be an annoying thing maybe. But um, yeah, we winning that winning it for multi love was. Uh, was sort of uh, as much as I could ask for, but it is 
it is cool um, to be nominated and get another chance, but uh, uh, it's just a nomination for me, actually, always, every time. Like, just to be nominated for for it is sort of the honour. And the, the winning part is like, um, you know, there's only one winner. Music to me is not really a competition, but it is, no. it is really cool to be um, part of this, like, kind of group of... Because uh, it's a peer voted thing I yeah. guess it just ma- it matters to be to be um, to get into that five but I mean winning winning it is just sort of like a cherry on top of that point because to be included as one of the songwriters that your peers recognise it's like it's a that's so real it always feels like it, it never gets old I guess yeah yeah. well I mean the music, music like that especially with, with songwriters and, and, and musicians like it's a community right so it's your community looking at you and, and giving you know, and bestowing. Yeah, and I, I do really. Yeah, and I, I think I think New Zealanders are good at songs. So um, there's all, there's always um, a bunch of songs in that um, in that round. You know, every year there's there's a bunch of songs that 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 you that I like. You know, so it's kind of like that. I think are good, I think yeah. are quality. And then um, so you realise like it's not some it's not some weird. Um, overly political thing it's just a bunch of songwriters going like oh, yeah, I think that one's good <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know so yeah. there's something it's like an, an, an internal kind of thing among people that do it and yeah. know that it, know that it's hard and you know that it, uh, that you it's risky in a way because you you know expose parts of yourself etc et you know yeah yeah, yeah. alright and finally you're coming back to Otipoti coming back to Dunedin um, what are we going to see and are you excited um, well, um, I have a bunch of friends there, so catching up with everyone is good. It's always good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's Dunedin. Like, I just, it's just like, uh, if I don't tour Dunedin, like, I've only ever been to Dunedin on tour, so it's sort of, it might be the only way that I really, um, ever get the chance to do it. So, you know, that's my, that's my, my, uh, my ticket down there every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, in particular, yeah, I just I just think of people when I think of particular. I mean, I should um, go to the the botanic garden. So <laughs> do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty special thing. I took um, Jake there first time. Um, it's probably a while ago now, maybe five years ago or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, he was just walking around the whole time. I mean, like it looks like this looks like prehistoric, like some weird prehistoric alien. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. thing is like looking looking at it through his um, eyes um, you know I kind of always I kind of always go back there just to wander around and be like you know what it is alien yeah. these, these are alien plants <laughs> um, and the native birds and stuff like that maybe see New Zealand in a different way so yeah I always, I, that's kind of I guess my uh, my ritual when I'm there well that's great that's like 50 metres from my house I fucking walk through there every day it's wonderful sweet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real, it's a really special thing. It is actually, you know, it's one of those things that you don't realise how uh, how special it is until you, you know, go to other places and you're like, eh, this is actually not that cool. Like, you know, go to oh, kind yeah. of famous, oh, every certain time. famous garden and you're like, you know, 
Every time I come home from somewhere else and I drive over the hill from the airport and I look at that harbour, it blows my mind every time. It's fucking amazing. It's so special down here. And, and you forget it too much is the problem. People should not forget these things. Uh, anyway, Ruben, yeah, it's thank important you. to keep it keep it in your mind. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, sure. I suppose I'll be to go. I'm getting I'm getting the getting the, the um, signal. Yeah. <laughs> I thank you so much, Ruben. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Thanks, man. And we'll see you in Otipoti on Thursday. Okay, see you soon.